This is the new Metro New York market. Good afternoon there. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Zach Romanoff with Omni Food Sales. We are the leading brand advocate in the Metro New York or Northeast area. That includes the six states, New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, Maryland, Delaware, Pennsylvania. And we are here uh, with some guests today that I wanted to share. There's a story that I wanted to share. Um, I'm here with Joe and I'm here with Danny. And these are the founders of Yave Tequila. And Danny, we met through a mutual friend, Ralph Menar, in the World Basketball Ambassadors Club. And uh, we stayed in touch after that. I heard what you were doing there. And that was probably a few years ago. Correct. So we stayed in touch. I've been following you guys on social media. I've been seeing what you're doing. And we recently connected. And um, there's some collaborations. And I'm going to see how I can help you guys with some store owners and distributors. Um, there are some store owners and people of influence at distributors that are watching. So hopefully they can watch and, and they can all be impressed as much as I have. But you guys are true entrepreneurs. Um, Joe, can you tell me about what inspired you to start Yave Tequila? Um, the simplest answer to that is I was trying to make it feel rich. I've been doing this for over 20 years. I've built brand after brand after brand. I have records. I've helped everyone from, from the liquor store level to the distributor level to the supplier level. So I've worked in every single tier. But at some point, you have to realize that these people are making millions and making thousands. At some point, you have, you, you really have to, to, to like look deep within yourself and understand that you can't keep helping these people without helping yourself even more. So, I mean, a couple years ago, I semi-retired from the game. And when I did retire, everyone reached out to me. There were like multi-million dollar deals left and right. Everybody wanted to keep me in. So I understood my worth a lot more. So now if you offer me millions, which they should have offered me years ago, it would have kept me in the game. But when you offer me this much money, when I decide to be gone and decide to part ways with everyone, you realize your, your true worth. So I jumped, I, I, I jumped off the cliff and built the plane on the way down, I like to say, because I didn't have the full plan yet, but I knew I was done helping people. So because for the first time in life, I felt ready from the heart, I knew that I could construct the plan as we went forward. And it happened down in Florida, of September, um, August 26, 2015 was the first time I decided I was done. I was down in Florida with friends because every year for my birthday, everybody comes to the city, we party, we have a good time. So we were going to drive from Florida and pick friends up on the way back up to New York. And on that drive, I was constructing word clouds and, and the possibilities of what would work and what wouldn't work. And by the time we got to New York, I had, I had most of the plan kind of set. And tequila made sense because tequila is the only thing that's a stimulant, so it's natural. Tequila was on the rise. And the flavors came to pass because flavors were also rapidly rising. So tequila was going straight up. Flavors were a little slower. But it actually made sense to do something like this. And with so many tequilas, I think you have to stand apart. You have to do something different. So the story is amazing. The, the story for the brand has jumped up in Harlem and down in Mexico. But I want to do other things where the flavors come into play. And I mean, it's a lot of things happening right now. It's, it's very, very humbling to be here right now, even hanging out with you, talking with one of my best friends who was my first investor, part of the team, like first guy to believe with his money. Not talking and saying, hey, we got this, bro, like everybody said. He was the first guy to come to the house with a check and say, I remember he left the house. <laughs> I never forget that day. I was working on the sofa, had all this stuff around me. He gave me the check. And he walked out the house and he, he just closed it. He opened it a little bit. He said, we don't like the brand, bro. And he closed it here. Like that guy. And I was like, yeah, we do. But my, my job was you know, to build the team, construct the plan, and make sure everyone's in a position to win. Right. Well, so you mentioned a lot of great points right there that are 
worth discussing. The first one to me is there's a lot of people out there that are kind of in their jobs, in their positions, but maybe have passions on the side that they want to develop and people want to be their own boss. They want to start their own brand. But a lot of people, maybe financial limitations, maybe people around them tell them they can't do it. There's really no printed planogram on how you go about and read this manual. And now you can start a brand. So what were what was the biggest obstacle you had in starting your own brand? Well, before I answer that, the two things I would say to those people, there are people out there every single day. One, there's never a perfect time. Everyone wants to wait for this perfect time when you have the exact amount of money and the right people and the stars align. That doesn't exist. That's the first thing I'm going to say all out. The, the second thing is something I tell my son. I'm a single father. So that's another part of the story that people don't know. We should probably film a documentary because there's so many things that were going on. But I tell my son all the time, there's always a reason not to do something, and most people find it. Don't even start the search. Because mm -hmm. uh, everyone has a reason. My girlfriend left me. It's raining outside. I don't have the money. I don't have the energy. Then that's why you're not successful. And the, the guy next to you or somebody that's competing with you, they're more successful than you are. But the biggest obstacle, to get back to that, I mean, the biggest obstacle was concrete immediately because the biggest obstacle was me. Because for years, people say, you should start your own brand. They say, I'm not ready. I knew I wasn't ready. So I was like, no, I'm not going to do this. I got to run the country for certain brands. So I got to learn different markets. I got to learn how the coasts are different than the middle of the country. It was a nonstop learning process where these guys were paying me to learn. It was like somebody paying you. It's like getting a full scholarship and getting paid on top of it. That's what I tell people all the time. No matter what you're doing right now, be the best at it. Yeah. You're the janitor. Be the best janitor. You're in customer service. Be the best in customer service. Because if you're the best in that, you will learn and it will lead to the next step. And what you're doing always leads to what's next. Yeah. You just got to take something from it. Yeah. And, and um, another thing I would say to those same people is you can't care what anyone thinks. You're going to get people to tell you not. I've been called crazy in the beginning. And I tell people straight up, I've never said I wasn't crazy. So take it off the table. This whole thing is crazy. Touch on tequila from a sofa in Harlem, design a bottle on your sofa. It's all crazy to me. But it was going to be worth it. Like, I never once hesitated. I never once felt the risk factor people kept saying. I knew we were going to be successful. Like, I was never worried about that. It was just how successful and how soon. So a lot of people that start their own brands, they pool money from friends and family. They have rounds of investors that come in. Approximately how much money did it take to start the brand? Well, Ballpark. Well, um, I, I spoke to a few powerful people, and people I've known for years and a couple guys I met brand new at that time. And everyone came up with the same number for some reason. It was you need three to $3.5 million to start. And my response was always the exact same. You need $3 million to start. I don't. We think differently. We work differently. I will say out loud, I'll give you a ballpark, but I did that with less than 10% of what they said I needed to get to this point. And with that little bit of money, I mean, we've been selling our own sales force. I mean, we're, we're a bunch of misfits running around New York selling a bunch of yachts. Because <laughs> half the team I chose never worked in liquor, but they had heart and people liked them. So I, I, can, I can teach you how to sell, but I can't teach you to be cool. I can't teach people to like you. I can't teach you not to be an asshole. Two things you said just put off lights in my head. The first is that number sounds about right. Omni represents food brands, manufacturers that are traded on Wall Street. And then we also deal with entrepreneurs that took their own money out and were on Shark Tank and got investments from Damon John. So we dealt, we deal with all companies on the spectrum. The number you said, you know, quarter of a mil or less, what I've heard generally is a good number that gets you enough to do demos, food shows, marketing, get stuff out there. And the second thing you said, when you said you got a bunch you're a bunch of misfits running around all doing this job. So Phil Knight, the creator of Nike, you ever heard of him? Yeah, hell yeah. So he has a book that he wrote a few years ago called like uh, Shoe Dog. He basically tells a story of how he founded Nike, and it was all he was a runner, he was a track star, but everyone around him on his team were people that were terribly out of shape. They were not people that were using those products that were running, 
and he did exactly what you said. He jumped out of the plane before knowing where he was going to fall. That's the true definition of an entrepreneur. Someone who's that confident that they will take the leap out of an airplane without knowing where they're going to land, but they know they're going to find their spot. And that's what happened with Phil Knight, and you exemplified the same thing. Yeah, I mean, one of the, one of the best conversations I had uh, with my son, my son lives with me, of course. Um, I told my son, I remember one day he's coming home from school, and I'm, I'm seldom home early, but this is one of the days I had to be there because we have to speak. My son walks in, he's like, Dad, what are you doing home? I'm like, sit down, son, we have to talk real quick. And he's like, what the hell is this? Like, he's an amazing kid, he's an amazing student, so he's never in trouble. So he sits around, I'm like, just so you know, I'm about to put all the money we have into Yale. We're going to be in for the dollar store, and life's going to be different for a while. And my son's response motivated me times a million. He said, I can eat Hot Pockets and ramen noodles for a year. Wow. I was like, we got this son. And then you fast forward now. To hear that's amazing because I raised him so he knows that we can live on less. So put everything into it. And uh, uh, about a year later, a little over a year later, he comes home. Similar thing. I wanted to almost reenact it. I was sitting on the sofa. He walks in. He said, we go home. I'm like, son, come. He's like, I can't. He's like, do we have less money? I'm like, no, just sit down. And um, I'm like, we're going to order sushi today. And he's like, no, 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 we don't need sushi. We have food. We have stuff. We went shopping. I'm like, no, no, son. Because my son loves sushi. I'm like, no, no, we're going to get something. And he was so adamant about the fact that he didn't want it because he didn't know where we stood financially, of course. We weren't, we're not rich. Yava is not that big. We're in three states. But it was just a comprehension of where we had been for the past year and change that he didn't feel we need to spend the money. I convinced him that we can do it. He ordered way too much sushi, like tons of sushi. It was way more than two people. It was like for 12 people. But I owed him that for the past year. And we were eating, we were hanging, and he was like, so we did it then? I'm like, not yet, but we, we took a step up. We're on our way. And you could see, like, his face was beaming with happiness, and he's like, all right, what else do we have to do? And I'm like, well, you don't have to do anything. It's liquor. To keep you and my son, keep going to school, keep keeping my life stress-free. Mm -hmm. And since that point, we've been, like, as close as can be. Like, well, that's the sweat equity. That's that's the personal sacrifice yeah. and the love that it takes to launch a brand. Yeah, yeah, of course. So you started this brand. You got the money. Now you've got it out. How do you go about uh, generating sales? Well, I've been in the game over 20 years. Um, my, I don't say liquor brands. My dad was number one salesman for one liquor brand. He just retired. My godfather runs another brand. My uncle ran another brand. And one of my closest friend's dads actually built a brand throughout the world. So I had these mentors and these people. You had this network. You had these people you could tap into that yeah. weren't selling your brand, but you could tap in and they could maybe give you advice on how to take steps. Yeah, advice. Yeah. They never helped with sales yet. Year one is, is ending in a few months. It had to be us. It had to be our team. It had to be, it's a very personal thing. So how do you go out? How do you, how do you go and be um, the face of your brand? I mean, it's sales and story. I mean, you go out there and sell. We have a uh, superior product. We're destroying other brands straight up. I'm going to be honest about it. Every taste that we've taken, all the points that are coming out, we're, we're killing them. And we charge less than them. So these guys are charging 50, 60 bucks. We're in between 40 and 50 from our ranges. And that's what, you being smart and using the right connects, the right supply chain, right distribution model, so you've got the most efficiencies? We definitely had the plan, sir, because for two years I was planning. When you don't have a lot of money, you take a little more time. Even though two years is fairly quick to do a brand from nothing, but it was, I mean, we met in my house every Tuesday for a year, the whole team, and the team just got bigger. We were literally, two ways we saved money more than any other brand, and I, I worked in the distributors where I saw brands come in, and I, I thought half of them were idiots. They had a lot of money and just spent it. We didn't have an office space. Office space was my apartment. Literally, every office, every meeting was done there. I didn't hire lawyers, so I dealt with the U.S. Mexican government on my own. Mm -hmm. So at, I saved recently. Um, the accountant said I saved around one hundred ninety thousand dollars. Wow! Just on those two factors, and to me, I'm like, well, I don't know why anybody wouldn't do this. Like, why would I spend one hundred thousand on an office and ninety thousand on lawyers? It doesn't make sense. Computing me, the Harlem kid. That I mean, we grew up poor. We didn't grow up with a lot of money. We grew up having to figure it out. It's a perfect example of. You always hear the saying, entrepreneurs wear a lot of hats. 
And I think that oh, that was crazy. that's a perfect analogy of that. I mean, that was crazy. But then you have our team. Like, Danny's out there doing all kind of events and meeting people. People don't value the little things that our guys do as much as I do. So Danny will go to two, three events in a week. He'll go meet with people. People just like, oh, he's not selling tons of cases. You know, not every person you meet is a sale. I'm not going to sell you product right now. It's not going to happen. But who knows what will happen from this encounter? Who knows what will happen from this meeting, from you posting the video? People need to see way, way further down the line than they do. Everyone sees like right now. Everyone wants to say, oh, we just spoke about a guy. We were doing an event with a liquor brand recently. The guy pulled out last second. He wound up selling cases to the people. Cause they're like, we need product. He's like, I give it to you for a discount. Yeah. We have we, product. We, we hit the, we, we definitely hit the ground running. You know, we're an unorthodox type of group. We have all different backgrounds and age groups. We have guys that actually work with the big companies for years. They have tons of experience, and you know, it's all based on relationships. And you know, between Joe and some of the guys, even myself, working with Joe and his dad over the years, we already had a certain amount of relationships already in New York, hmm. even though. New York is one of the hardest markets to begin. We felt, you know, we either going to make it or break in our own backyard. So that's why we decided to come out of New York. I think that's really smart because this market and Omni, as a food broker and brand advocate, you know, we work with a good amount of food brands here. And I can tell you this market is the most ethnically diverse market in the entire country. There's Korean. There's traditional white. There's black. There's all the different degrees of Hispanic. There's... Any different nationality you could think of is here, in the five boroughs and outside. Yeah. You know, Russian, Ukrainian, Polish, German. There's everything here. So there's a flavor profile here that you more likely than not can find your niche. And then you build a base, you build it up, and then you slow, slowly build out from there. And New Yorkers appreciate a New York brand. You know, once they realize that we're from New York and we built it here, you know, there's certain people that do want to support. You know, and we got in that. Absolutely. And people are, are hungry and thirsty for more. You know, people want specialty. Literally thirsty The specialty category is on the rise. And this is like a food industry thing, but it translates and correlates to the liquor industry. Traditional supermarket type category items are generally flat. Specialty is up. So what am I what do I mean by that? A local brand, a romance brand, something that has a unique product attribute to it that makes it stand out different from the others, those brands are up eighteen percent. Whereas traditional supermarket sales are generally flat to up 2%. That's what people want. Specialties on the rise. For the most part, big brands are not innovating. They're working on becoming more efficient because they're already so big. So they want to save money where they can. It's entrepreneurs. It's people that are willing to take a leap of faith out there and start something that's brand new, that maybe has a longer shelf life than everyone else in a perishable product or a different attribute in a liquor product. Those are the people that are picking up sales big time. Yeah, agreed. I mean, everybody wants something new. And now in the world of social media and the world that we live in, people want a story to tell. And our story is real. I mean, the slogan on the bottle, on every single bottle, says, dreamt up in Harlem, made down in Mexico. I want the world to know I came from Harlem and I started on the sofa. That's why we filmed a documentary to show kids and show people, not even just kids. I don't care if you're Spanish, black, white, Asian. Everyone, struggle knows no race. And even, oh, before, true. even before we launch, you know, Joe brought the team down for you know, almost two weeks in Mexico, learning the whole process, learning everything that we needed to know of the history of tequila, how it's made, and how a distillery works. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, he was definitely uh, prepared to hit the ground running. Yeah. I love your story. You know, the dreamt in Harlem, made in Mexico, it's authentic. That's your story. Your story truly is authentic. A lot of brands either don't have one, or they make up some corny slogan that you could, you could read at, you know, 
at the dollar store. This is authentic. This makes me want to see, okay, someone's really standing behind this. He's saying where he's from. This is where I'm from, and this is what I'm putting out. I love it. And there's a lot of brands that fabricate this. There's a recent brand that came out. I'm not going to say what category they're in, but there were a couple of friends who made a, a brand for themselves. They're already rich and famous. I wasn't rich and famous. If I become rich and famous, it's because of a brand I've built, not because of something I've done previous to that. Most of the guys, the celebrities that get involved in liquor were famous previous to that. All right, so let's talk about that. You bring up a great point. All right, the number one that comes to mind is George Clooney. He had this this brand. But George Clooney and Randy Gerber. They I mean, sold their brand for a billion dollars. Casamigos, is that what it was? On the back end, yeah. It was Two 700 million. million. 200 million on the back end. Right. So they got 700 up front. But the back end story of that, people don't know. There was a guy on the back end, I'll say his name, Lee Einsler, one of my favorite guys in liquor. He was an apprentice to Sidney Frank. Where Sidney Frank's my number one guy in liquor all the time. He's a guy who built. Jägermeister bought it from over there to over here, and he created great groups and sold it for $2.1 billion. So people don't know these stories in the back end. At the same time, love Clooney, huge fan. I'm a huge Gerber Group fan. I love what they've done with their restaurant. The father was amazing. Like, I've studied him very well. But what they did was use their celebrity, use the money they had, and use the restaurant chains they had all around the world. So they had... So they had a whole system in place already. Because I didn't, I didn't see George Clooney on commercials. I didn't see him on social media. I didn't even know he was associated with this, this tequila. He wasn't in the game. Yeah, yeah everything kinda, was kind of laid out. It was pretty much laid out. For now, I'm not. I'm not knocking them. If you have an advantage, you take advantage of it. But we started literally from a like. You always see the picture when they say like Google and Amazon and Apple started in the garage. My sofa in Harlem is going to be in that picture <laughs> one day. I'm. I'm. I'm telling you right now. You're going to see all those garages, and when they open up, there'll be my sofa saying that. Hey, like seriously. your mouth to God's ears. Yeah. I'd love to see it. Yeah, I'll have gone that sofa too. Sorry, everyone's gonna sit on that sofa. I hope I can. Maybe it'll bring me some luck too. That's just a lot of people. It's a huge sofa. I have like full wraparound sofas that I don't get rid of because that's so much history. I have to get rid of it soon because it's pretty old now. So that's the Clooney. That's the example. He's kind of like the guy up here, right? That's the biggest one. But if you go down the list, it's like 50 Cent, Conor McGregor, Justin Timberlake. Well, somebody I'm gonna put above George Clooney doesn't get enough respect. Yeah, but Diddy, Diddy was oh, yeah, the of course. guy. Diageo came to him and said, Diddy, just go do it. Go be famous. We'll handle the logistics. So Diddy didn't have to worry about the back-end bullshit. He just had to go be himself. So he put the brand on his back, and he was like, don't get in my way. And he just kept – I mean, he did it the right way. He did it the way you're supposed to, the most organic way. Like so the successful companies, you're saying, have an infrastructure and a product in place. They hire a high-profile person yeah. to be a brand ambassador that they're in the club every night or they've got a million followers. And all of a sudden, now there's all this mainstream national buzz on the brand. 100%. That's why we're working on our, our distribution. I'm working on everything on the back end. Like, I'm working on more logistics than anything. People tell me, you should go to Cardi B. You should go to this person, that person. I'm like, if I went to her right now, she said, hell yeah, man. And then the whole world wants it. How do I get it from? People don't answer that question. People just want it to be in your face and say, look, you're famous on social media. Social media doesn't pay my bills. It doesn't get my son away from dollar store food and more sushi in his mouth. So you're saying you're not ready for that kind of demand right now. Well... Before the last trip I took to Florida, we weren't. We created an online platform where we should have gone to country for the cheapest price in liquor. So now, within the next couple of weeks, I can say we'll prepare for that. Because I couldn't get all around the country. I had to find a way to get it to in the country. There's different ways. I found an online way. We well, created a platform I, and partnered with somebody. I think that's really wise of you and mature. I mean, that's, that's like someone above your, your years. Usually, people have to make a mistake. And we work with entrepreneurs like that all the time. With food brands that walk into us. And say, Zach, you know, we want to. We built this brand. We have it. Let's go get, you know, this 270 store chain. That's the Northeast leader. Go get them. And we get them. 
and then we get the PO, and like, oh, Zach, I'm sorry, I had a su- supply issue, I can't yep. ship them. That person is done for good, right. and when the account, we, we don't even mention the name to the account, and if we did, they would say, don't even bring it over. Right. Of course, I mean, I'm a liquor nerd. The way people know what LeBron scored last night and who won what game, I don't give a shit. I know who started what liquor when, how much they started with. I know all the horror stories, I know success stories, but I like the horror stories more, because you learn from those, of course. But there's so many brands that come out. There's one brand. I'm not, I'm not going to say names. I don't want to knock anybody. I don't want to give anybody you know, any marketing. But there's a, a vodka brand that came out. I want to say five, six years ago, they partnered with a restaurant chain. They were only in two states. When they partnered with the restaurant chain, they had around 26, 27 states. So now these guys were excited. They're like, we're going to kill it. We're going to do our thing. They never registered their brand in those states. A common mistake people make. It could take one to 60 days. People have no idea what that means. They didn't have distributorships set up in those states. They weren't allowed to sell in those states. So when the PO came in and they're like, all right, we're ready to go everywhere. They're like, oh, we can only go to four right now. We're picking up now. And the guy from the top restaurant was like, then why the fuck did you come to us in the first place? That was the exact quote. The guy told me. I met the guy who started the brand. He told me. He said, then why did you come to us in the first place? You know what this is? You have one chance to make a first impression. Done it dozens, if not hundreds of times. You have one chance to get a buyer's attention, to sit down, Sell him your product. And if you're not sure, if you don't have everything right, or if you get his attention, he tells you he wants it next week, and you're going to say, well, I got to do it six months from now. I got to. They don't want to hear that. They're on to the next one. This is America. What's happening in America now is competition. Everyone is catching up. There's a million hummuses. There's a million cheeses. There's a million meats. There's a lot of liquors. There's a lot of vodkas, gins, and tequilas. There's competition. What's going to separate now? is the level of service and the relationship that people have with the brand. Because there's so many options out there. You've got to be credible, you've got to be reliable, you've got to have an authentic story, and you've got to be able to deliver. Yeah, I mean, something that helps us, I'd like to say, there's a lot of, of course, a lot of liquor brands going into liquor stores and big chains every day, but the motivation is different. Whereas those guys, a lot of them go in and they just want to buy like a nice Ferrari, a nice yacht or something. I want that at some point, but I'm trying to feed my son. And it all goes back to that. Mm-hmm. So if I walk in and you walk in, you're talking about a starving wolf compared to a, a dainty, whatever the hell you want to call it, whatever animal they are, a mink or whatever. I don't even know what they are. But when I walk in, I'm, I'm coming to make a sale. When I walk in, I'm going to sell. It's not about just selling them the product. I know how to move it out. So I know the push and pull methods as well. We have a lot of things that we do on the back end that these brands, they, they come from money. You have finance guys, lawyers, doctors, startup brands. It's cute. It's not cute if you know what you're doing. It's not cute when a guy like me is out there starving, trying to, to, to eat as much as he can. Like it's, People don't understand it. I'm glad they don't, because that's our job to understand I just want to take one step back in regards to the uh, celebrity endorser. So I appreciate your stance. Are you thinking about bringing on like a mid-level oh, yeah. celebrity endorser? Yeah, someone yeah. like Charlemagne the God or DJ Envy, these guys on the radio that have reach? Well, because of the stories gotten out there, like our focus in the beginning is sales and story. Go sell so you can have money coming in and keep telling the story and keep doing little interviews and doing um, um, magazine articles and all these things that we're doing. And now... A lot of these guys that you're mentioning, on that level, not those specifically, but I've met their people or them before we started the brand. So they heard the story. And a lot of those guys will hit me on LinkedIn and, and Instagram, a DM like, dude, you did it. I went into this bar. Or guys will send me a picture like, I'm in this bar. You were talking about the shit two years ago. I'm like, yeah, I told you it was going to be real. And now those people are starting to come back, understanding that we're doing this without them. Well, yesterday there was a big uh, hip-hop concert, Power, yeah, Prudential Center, and we have our mango in the Prudential Center, yeah. you know, and somewhere. Wow. Uh, so you had it there uh, in house last night? Yeah. Powerhouse. Power Water Powerhouse. Powerhouse. Yeah. Yeah. Somebody, Cardi B was there. Yeah. Someone, was our, there. our DJs, uh, Drewski, our peoples, they, they are sending us pictures of the bottle because, you know, we, we 
really in, that's in awesome. the financial center. So that's a you know major account. But we leverage in our relationships with uh, certain people that we have in the industry that are supportive you know, of us. So it's, you know, we want people that are going to support us as much as we're going to support them. And so far, we've been able to, you know, really be able to leverage those, especially on, on social media, um, and you know, really get the name out there more than you know we could have years ago before social media. So social media has been key for us to be able to, you know, really push the name as much as possible. So you know, we're just trying to find creative ways to market ourselves. Yeah, you guys are brilliant with social media. I've been following you on Instagram a lot with the daily updates. I mean, that's where everyone's attention is now. Right. I mean, I've got a family at home. There's days throughout the week the TV doesn't go on because right. we're coming and going. We're, I've got a son, too, and there's things and activities, and you're making dinner, and you just don't have time all the time. Um, I remember seeing a few months ago you guys got into Madison Square Garden, sure. and there was a boxing fight. And I was like, oh, shit. Like, right. yo, these guys are really doing it. Like, that's a win. Yeah. How was it getting into MSG? That was awesome experience, yeah. That was also, that's actually, uh, you know, the, the people that do that event is uh, friends of Joe's. So yeah. he's been involved with that event even with previous band brands. And I remember going there with Joe with his pre, uh, previous brand that he he ran. So that was just a, another relationship that, you know, we already had in the bag when it comes to. Uh, yeah, a good friend of mine, Eddie, has a company. And I'll never forget, um, he texted me and I was traveling. Oh, actually, we were in Mexico and I'm coming back from Mexico and he's like, he said, bro, see what you're doing, like, you're on your way, we have to talk next year. I'm like, all right, that's a weird text, because it was like May, and I'm like, I guess we'll talk next year. Next year comes, almost a year later, he hits me, he's like, we owe you. I'm like, what's up? Because I, I never thought about it. I've helped so many people over the years, because I had a lot of sponsorship dollars. I don't just throw money around to celebrities, I give it to people who need it and who, who could take it a longer way. So if I give a celebrity $10,000, they'll do one post and say, I'm gone. If I give somebody smaller $10,000, they can use it for months, and they can expand the brand, and it's more of a partnership. So Eddie was one of those guys, and he said, we're going to the garden, you're going to come with us. So I go to meet him in his office space, we're, we're talking. He said, you believed in us when nobody did. Like, we had our small events and these little venues you were supporting us with. You talk like 1000 out of 2000 when nobody would give them anything. He said, now we're in the garden, every big company's reaching out. He said, you're going to get the first shot. So what we paid to be in there was me paying it forward for years, because we didn't pay a penny to get into Mass Square Garden. It was part of a sponsorship. We were everywhere. We were on the big screens. We had the banners right. everywhere. Yeah. People were like, dude, you had to pay $10,000. There's no way you can't. You tell me you don't pay. Yeah, Yave logo was on the big screen outside the garden. Oh, that was, that. I got pictures of that. Yeah, that so was, that was pretty cool. We didn't know. We just walked in, and all of a sudden, you see the big big sign up. So. What are your sales like now on an annual basis, ballpark? Well, we just started in December, so we're 10 months in. De- December, it makes a year. We're like a couple hundred cases a month, pretty much. So in One dollars... In dollars, approximately, what is it? It'll be up to, it'll be between, I want to say like, you're like 25 to 40 grand a month. Nice. Which it's, then saying it out loud sounds crazy when I think about it. But we're self-sustaining and we're actually now doing something that I've never been a part of in my entire history of liquor. We're doing a, an inventory fundraising cycle now, which is crazy because we're expanding so quickly, but I'm maintaining it. It's like... It's like I'm holding it together without getting too big too fast because we'll expand more than we can, like the other brands I mentioned. But now we're doing an inventory financing phase, which even the people I speak to, they're like, dude, it's like month 10. I'm like, yeah, this is crazy. Like, I'm, I'm the guy telling you it's crazy. And I'm at, and they're like, what do you need? I'm like, now we're selecting the right people because there's a lot of money out there. We have a lot of people that want to give us like a million, two million that I don't need. We don't need that much money. And I want smart money as opposed to dumb money. I don't want two million from somebody who just has it. I'd rather take half a million from somebody who's well connected in the industry. Mm-hmm. And he's like, here's half a million, but you have to call these guys and connect with these chains. That's what I'm looking for. 
Mm-hmm. So it's always about partnership. It's about it's about all these people believing in my vision that was just an idea, just me calling friends and at my party that night saying we're gonna do all liquor and people were like this is crazy. I'm not on plan yet. I have most of the plan, but it's not done yet. So when I talk about feeding my son, I have to feed everybody's families. Like, well, it sounds like as you grow, as this thing grows and it's in its infancy and it's going to maintain the distribution and the sales, you're gonna have to take on partners to borrow to build inventory to keep the whole thing going. Yeah, yeah. But you've got the vision and the core to keep this thing going the right way. Hundred oh, percent. We're not. It's we could be selling a lot more, but I would have sold out already. I would have done it the way that everyone looked for the easy way out. I'm not doing that. Like I didn't go to a main distributor, even though I worked for them, because people don't know that distributors take a third of your profits. So if they sell zero cases and we sell two, three thousand year one, they still take a third. They start to believe you, then they start selling it. But at that point, I don't really need you. Like now, the brand is growing on its own. So I want to stay independent for the first year, and we've done it because we're a couple months away, and there's no stopping in sight. We're in New York, New Jersey, Florida online and we have three pending deals that are happening right now that if only one happens it'll triple to quadruple our value when all three happen i don't like to say if when all three happen we'll be a multi-million dollar company in year one which wow. is surreal to say i'm not saying a lot but it's crazy i knew we'd be here but where we are at this exact moment i thought we'd be at the beginning of next summer my timeline so we're ahead of schedule and if these when these three deals when these three deals happen it's it's a whole different stratosphere, and then everyone's gonna look at us as the independent brand that exploded quickly. The same way I like to compare it to Macklemore, the, the artist. He was an independent artist. He won the award for best hip hop artist or whatever he won as an independent, and everyone realized they could do it themselves. So like Nipsey Hussle was out there doing it for years, Chance the Rapper, and when that independent artist won, he won it for everybody. Mm-hmm. I want to be that in the liquor world. So when we do our deals the way we want to do it, we we kind of change the game. I'm not going to break the mold. I'm going to help other people create that mold also. Like I want to, That's why it's a key on the bottle. We're giving people access to our world. Like, it's a lot of reasons for the key, but that's one of the many reasons. That is cool. There is a key right on there. A real key. A real key. Do you do a lot of product sampling? Hell yeah. Liquid to Lips is by far the most important thing for us. We, I, I, I'm going to say, I look at any camera you have. You can bring any tequila, any brand will go against you. I'm not playing at all. Quality-wise, price-wise, story-wise, heart-wise, I don't care who you are, what you do, how much you work. We will go against anybody in that regard. Like, just, just have four, four uh, tastings this weekend. Yeah. <laughs> That's consumer's number one request. Even in the supermarket sphere, IRI data has shown when you go to a supermarket, there's waiting online, right? There's getting around the store, which is not easy. There's waiting at the register. Right. Trying products is the number one thing people want to improve their supermarket, supermarket buying experience. Right. And that can be applied to the liquor store. I, I, I try to do a tasting. For the first I'm doing a tasting every Friday. I've done the past four Fridays, I did one yesterday. Like, I'm, I'm all about that because when you tell the story, you know, people are captivated. And the most common response I get when people taste it, the, the funniest word I hear, they're like, it's actually good. I'm like, why would it be crap? Because I'm a cool guy and I'm from Harlem. They're like, no, no, I just didn't expect it to be so good. I'm mean, that's cool, but that's why I'm here so you can taste it. The story's amazing, the bottle's amazing, but unless you taste it, there's a lot of crap brands out but there. That's that. how it comes together because it is a good brand. It is a good product. It's very smooth. Um, you know, I, I experienced trying to push bad products with him and, and, and his pops in the past. It's a big difference, you know, and we worked on it. And, you know, I think we was blessed because we, we have a, a great, great relationship with our distillery down in Mexico. Uh, they, they do it the old traditional way. And it's just a great marriage. What are some things that haven't worked? Man, it's kind of cool that I can't think of it right away, to be honest, but I want to give you something. Cause There's always things learned from it's, mistakes. That's probably how things get better. 
Yeah. I mean, it's, not that it hasn't worked, but the team yeah. is learning and we're just getting better. So right. I took the full risk by bringing the team on. Like, we have a few veterans and most of them weren't. But it could sell more if I bought bigger guys, but it wouldn't mean as much to me. It's not as much heart. Like, we're, we're getting better. I mean, it's it's literally just going up. But that, I mean, I'm not going to say it didn't work, but it's it's been the hardest part to just make sure the team's on point. I send out a, a, a weekly newsletter every Monday just so guys know everything that's going on. Like, I, I take time to do that so they know, like, I pick an MVP for the week. I pick the top salesman of the week. Um, new things that are happening, like um, things to look forward to, um, dates that are coming up. So I try to put everything in that newsletter to keep us unified, and we still meet bi-weekly. So every other Monday, the whole team meets, and we just, it's not even just to talk about sales and what's going on, just talk. Just to have the team together in the same room, just like Mexico. I mean, you had you had about 15 of us in a house in Mexico. Half of them never really like knew each other that well. It was just a meeting; they didn't know. But now you're living together. Now everyone's in a room and you're drinking together. It, it, it was so much, but that'll be the hardest part was doing it our way. But it wasn't impossible, obviously, because we did it. But that would honestly be the hardest because I could have easily went to the distributor. They might may have gotten some done because I came from them. I just didn't want them to take that money, and I want to do it with friends and family. Like it means way much more to me. It just does. Wow. I'm not motivated by money. Like, I'm motivated by legacy. I'm motivated by us going out and people are like, you guys did it. Like, I love it. Uh-oh. Because then that means other people are like, I can do it. Yeah, I want to motivate people. Like, that's huge for me. No, there, there's a guy named Gary V. Yeah, I don't know if you ever heard of him. He talks about that stuff, too. Yeah, Playing I, for I, legacy. I don't really listen to a lot of this stuff, but people always say I should listen to more. Like, I, I listen once in a while here, and I'm a big fan of Gary V. Like, he talks about playing for the long play, the long haul. Oh, yeah, this is for tomorrow. This is long term. Like Yava Tequila is the first step of I don't know how many things we're gonna do. Like the next two, five, and ten years are, are planned out with understanding that things change. I don't get married to any ideas. Like I'm not gonna sit there and go, it didn't work. No, if things I will just keep driving down the road. Like Yeah, I life. think that's what we've been good at. You know, we been, you know, certain bumps along the road and we've been able to just adjust and, you know, regroup and keep everything moving forward. You know, so even, you know, certain marketing things and things like that, that maybe it's like, you know, maybe we're not ready for that. Maybe next year, but it's there, you know, we already have it or already set up. So, you know, I think we, and, and that's another reason too, that people deal with us too. We're able to make those quick last minute decisions and really support whatever you got going on. Well, that's your biggest asset right. as opposed to the larger companies that are, that are bigger, already have established uh, bases of business. Right. You guys can move fast. You're the executive team. You want to make a decision, a customer you think you might get. You don't have a board of directors. You have to wait for approval on for six weeks. You can make the move today, tomorrow. And you could run laps around some of these companies while they're just waiting for someone up in a boardroom to give them a check. Exactly. Do it. And by the time that guy decides, they have to come back down. That's past the radio. What the hell? That was too easy. I mean, what you guys are doing inspires me a lot. Omni, as a brand advocate, is the same. We represent a lot of companies that are in similar situations. It's the same thing. Our speed is our biggest asset. We move. We're not a national broker. We're a regional broker. We represent the top six states in the Northeast. We move fast. We make decisions. If, so, if a customer needs this, we don't need to wait for someone to sign off. We do it. But why I have a lot of admiration for you guys is we all have a lot of friends. I have a lot of friends that are maybe unhappy in the situation they're in and you know maybe feel like they don't have opportunities. They want to do something about it. A lot of people have ideas. You guys have actually done it. You've, t you've gotten off the couch. You've taken a risk. You've left everything that was comfortable. You made an uncomfortable lifestyle down to the food that you were going to eat with your son for a year. Yeah. And you, you learned how to swim. You learned how to fly on the way down. And I think it's such a, a brilliant idea for you to document this process because this is the make or break. And then once, once people, once De Leon or, or 
George Clooney's brand sells for a billion, there's no more story. That's the end. This is the part that people at home need to see for other people that want to take a risk and do something better for their lives. Not everyone can do it. Not everyone can handle it. You had background knowledge, but you also toughed it out. You learned how to do all these other things that saved 190 grand from not hiring an attorney. Not everyone has the stomach for that. Now, we talked about having a stomach of steel, getting punched and getting back up. That's tough. But the beautiful thing is opportunity is there. In America, opportunity is here. If you want to stand up and weather the punches and go out and do something, entrepreneur, entrepreneurism is alive and well. You represent that. He's like a coach, right? Yeah, I'm ready to play right now. <laughs> well, the Omni team hears it every day. You don't have to tell that. But I'm saying that for the people at home. For the, for the people at home watching this, that you've made a pasta dish, or you've made a meat dish, or you've made a sauce or, or something, and you want to produce it for the masses, do it. Take the risk. Do it. And call someone like Omni because Omni knows how to help bring it and assist two stores. Which, oh, I want to ask you guys too. Is there, I'm not sure in the, in the liquor industry, are there brokers, are there sales teams you could hire that come on and assist you with sales coverage? I do that for okay. a small sales team that acts as a broker for us and they earn based on how much they sell. So I created levels. They've done it before, but they just got paid a monthly fee. I'm like, you guys are going to get paid this much and you can earn this much. So they earn very little in the beginning, but they can earn a lot more than they made previously. And they love the concept. So that's why I sat with, I was down there in Miami for a few days to discuss that whole concept as well as shipping online, what we're doing from Miami as our base. See, that's really smart. I've met a lot of entrepreneurs and owners that they want to hold it like it's their baby, and they squeeze it, and they suffocate it. And they don't give to anyone else, and they're afraid. When you pay someone on percent of sales, on commission, they're motivated to increase the sales. A lot of people are like, oh, I don't want to pay, you know, this and that. Well, if they're going to grow your sales, and now instead of making a hundred grand a year, you're going to make a million dollars a year, who cares what you're paying in a commission? You increased your income by ten times. Yeah. You'd be surprised. Not everyone gets that. Oh, I know. I know a lot of brands who are like, oh, but he sells 200000 He's going to get 50000 That's a quarter of my... Yeah, but you wouldn't sell that 200000 without him. That's free money for you. And most guys don't. We just talk about a guy in the car. You know what I'm talking about. He just doesn't see the long-term vision. He's been around for years and years and years, but he keeps us so close. And every event he does, he expects to make money on it. And every time he does something, he expects some kind of return. I'm like, you... You need to be more long, have that long-term vision. Some people just don't have it. Kudos, kudos to you. I'm glad they don't. You know, as leaders, as managers, delegating is a huge piece. It's a huge piece of what I do every day. I've got to delegate. I can't be everywhere all the time. I can't be with every store owner. I can't be with every supervisor. I can't be with every buyer. When I'm with them, yes, I do it my way, and it's, and it's airtight, and it's going to go the way I want it to go. But I can't do that. You know, you've got to delegate. I can't be in six states at the same time. Neither can you. But that's what, I mean, you have this in your pocket that changes everything. You have a phone where you can text, call, email, and people just, I don't really get overwhelmed, to be honest. Like, I've been raising my son. I'm, I, I work, when I worked for other people, I was more overwhelmed because I was over-delivering over on what I was doing. And then it got to a point where I would come up with concepts, and no one would really listen to me, even though I was the guy. And I could see they were like, oh, then we should try it this way. And I started to realize that because it wasn't their idea that they didn't act upon this quickly. So for the, the last couple of years, instead of talking in meetings, I would have a concept put in my phone. So when I started Yave, I had this, I had notes upon notes of things I just never said out loud. I was like, I'll use this, I'll use this, I'll use that, and they're all working. Literally, every single thing I didn't say in a meeting, I had a special little folder. Every single thing worked. Poker face in the meeting. Yeah, 100%. Right. Don't judge a book by its cover. Just because someone ain't talking doesn't mean yeah. they're not paying attention. Yeah, 100%. And now we're here. Like it's, 
I, I knew we'd be here, but it's still surreal to be here. Um, I wish you guys the best of luck. There's a lot of people in the food industry that are tuning in on LinkedIn or Facebook or Instagram or any other ways people we know. Any message, any last words you want to get out to those people that potentially could be buying Yave for retailers and distributors? The things, of course, on social media, the website, everything is Yave Tequila. Y-A-V-E Tequila. Like, it's very simple. And, I mean, we, we discussed it this whole time, but there are a lot of people that are going to watch this who are like, wow, this sounds amazing. They're going to be excited, and they won't do a damn thing about it. Do something about it. Like, I, I've been in a lot of situations where I, there's certain restaurants that I hang out in, and when you have your own liquor, people let you in the back, so to speak, and they feel a little different. So I hang out, and I'll hear restaurants and liquor stores and bars talking about problems, and everyone disperses, and nobody does a damn thing about it. The problem stays in the exact same spot. Everyone's just kind of, we need to fix this. And everyone's like, yeah, you're right, and there's no solution in here. you got to solve it yourself. Nobody, my favorite movie is The Bronx Tale. My favorite line in my favorite movie is Nobody Cares. At the end of the day, nobody cares. There's this something. I, most of the things I tell my son, so I just kind of think about what I tell my son to say them out loud to other people. But when it comes to nobody's care concept, nobody cares concept is very, very simple. Let's say you have a concept. Let's say you want to start your own tequila brand, obviously. And I go to a friend. I go to Danny. I'm like, Danny, I need $100,000. And Danny's all right, let's do it. And he doesn't give me the money. The brand doesn't go through. Now, that's on a, on a very, very topical level. Now, let's get deeper. Let's say I can't pay my rent that month. The landlord knocks on my door and says, you have three days to give me $1,000. And then he's like, I got you, Joe. Don't worry about it. But then he gets sick or he doesn't have the money. His girlfriend says, no, anything happens. He says, sorry, bro, I can't give you $1,000. And my landlord comes. You have the rent. Damn, let me tell you this story, man. My friend was going to give me the, the money. Something happened to his mom. He had to go to Puerto Rico. And landlord's like, damn, that sucks. You got to get out. Nobody cares. At the end of the day, you have to solve your own problems. Because he's going to throw me and my son out on the street. Because I was complacent and I didn't follow through and do it my way, and I'm homeless. And people don't think about it that deep, but that's what I think about entrepreneurship. Like, it really is that deep. Like, everything, I, my son's college when I was in this. Everything I had when it says, I went back to work in a liquor store for a year. I was doing market research. I worked in front bars, and I worked in my old distributor job for six months to get my mind rebooted back into what the streets are about. So I was working full-time, again, even though I was retired, but I was on a lower level. And I, I saw the last. I'll give you, and this is one that my dad and I share very well. My dad, right before I retired, I'm working in the big liquor store. Where else my spirits? I'm going to say the name because they gave me a lot of love. Let me do what I need to do in downtown Manhattan. When a big guy comes in, one of the big bosses comes in, he's like, Junior, what are you doing here? Right? I thought you were running this company and everything. And I'm like, yeah, I'm just here. You know, I'm just, I'm just like being in a liquor store. It's kind of my thing. Not telling him I'm working on this. He has no idea in six months this is about to be a thing. And he's like, yo, I can bring you back to the company if you need some work. And so I'm like, no, I'm right. So now, of course, as sometimes men or women, in this regard, he goes and he talks trash as gossip. It's like women at the table. Not disrespecting women. I was raised by women, so everybody relax. But, you know, like you get over drinks, you're hanging out, and it's like some gossip, like like novellas in Puerto Rico. We used to watch those. So the guy's telling everyone in the company, oh, man, Junior fell off. He was running the country for one brand. Now he's working in a liquor store. And my dad loses it. Like, my dad's <laughs> temper is very different. Uh, people call me in the company. Your dad's about to beat the out of this guy. And I'm like, what? What's happening? I have no idea what's going on. <laughs> my dad calls me and I'm like, Pop, what happened over there? He's like, this guy's walking around talking about how you fell off. And I'm like, Pop, I need you to walk this journey with me. I need you to really, really listen. Like, I'm, I, I'm very stern with my parents when it comes, when I have to be, but I, you know, they're my parents, so I respect them. I'm like, Dad, you need to walk this journey with me. This guy starts this whole story. Junior fell off. He went from running this or that, and Joe Crew Jr. was the man, and now he's doing this or that. Now, in three years, when this is one of the biggest brands in the country, if not the world, doesn't my legacy seem that much greater because I had the great fall and came back up? I said, well, he helped the urban legend of the story. I said, but even deeper now, this guy doesn't pay my bills. He doesn't do anything. It doesn't affect me at all. 
I don't care about what those people think in the moment because I know I'm going to be. So if you think right there I'm, I fell off, and if you even told me to my face, man, you're you're suffering, you look horrible. I'd be like, yeah, that sucks, right? Um, you know, whatever. I don't care because I know where I'm going to be. So I'm not living in the same moment as that guy. I'm living in a perpetual future. I'm like three, five years ahead of him. While he's still talking about his job and he's going, he's going through, I'm up here looking down at him. You've got a mindset to me that sounds like you're focused in like a laser. You know exactly what you need to do, when you need to do, how you need to do, and who you need to do it with. And you're hearing the noise, but you're not letting it affect you, which I think is, is the perfect mindset. It's a rare mindset. Not a lot of people have it. It sounds like you have everything together. Nobody cares. <laughs> and I don't care what that guy is thinking. I don't care. I'm, I'm the nobody in his world. I don't give a shit. Danny, any last words? I mean, you have to yave, you know, we, we have the first ever mango, we have a coconut and jalapeno, all natural, bringing something new to the game, so. We have six different ones. He said it, Blanco, Reposado, Añejo, the first ever mango, dedicated to my grandmother who died before I made this. That was a fair fruit, so we made that. Coconut for my mother, who was a single mother who raised me. My dad was always around. He was in the household, but he was always in my life, jalapeno fan. So everything has a reason. Everything comes with heart. The key on the bottle, giving people access to our world. At the same time, what do you touch every day of your life? Whether you're going to work, you're in your car, your apartment, you touch a key. And, and the, the other part, too, that um, I want you to speak on, on uh, some of the uh, things that we've been able to collaborate with uh, chefs when it comes to food, especially for this. Um, the reason we created the flavors, the sabor, as we call them, is for women, because men buy what we want. That's the thing. Women, we know this. We created for bartenders to have a base to cook, to, to create their cocktails and have fun with. When we go to bars, we don't tell them, you need to make this, we just say have fun. Mm-hmm. I made it so you can have fun, like it's your, your canvas, it's part of your, your masterpiece. And we made it for chefs to cook with. So we actually have a lot of foods and things that are working on as well behind the scenes. So it's a lot. And going to the bartenders, I mean, we made the bottle so you can pour it. And I thought about a woman because there are a lot of women bartenders who can't grab the bottle with smaller hands. So I try to make it simple. We even had a punch. So you want to be fancy, like a wine bottle. Mm-hmm. Like, cool. As much as you can think about, we try to think about. Got the, There's a lot the of innovation here. Got the mango salsa. Jalapeno whips, jalapeno, jalapeno dips, coconut yeah. shrimp, coconut yeah, guacamole with the jalapeno one. It's a lot. That's, a <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. No, I've tried it, and it really is smooth. And I'm not a huge tequila drinker, and I can, I can handle this. I can drink this. So I think you've got something great. So Joe Cruz, Danny Reyes, co-founders of Yave Tequila um, from Omni Food Sales, thank you for tuning in. We really want to share this inspiring story, and hopefully it inspires other people out there to follow their dream, to follow their journey, and come to Omni2 and let us be a part of it. Thank you. We'll see you later.